This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, cost, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com slash coach for more information. Coach Me Up Podcast. We are back. We're excited to be with you, Chris Burke, Jimmy Dykes. Today we have a little bit of a a first time. We've got a pastor joining us to coach us up on the principle of simplicity. Jimmy, tell us about our guest today. Yeah, Sam Hannon is the, he's the congregational leader at Fellowship Bible Church here in Northwest Arkansas, which is it's a big mega church with three or four different campuses, but uh, it's a church that has a great uh, humbleness about it, and it starts with the leadership of Sam Hannon. If you go on the website and and search for the staff, you have to, first of all, figure out where the staff is. And then his mugshot is right there in the middle of everybody else. He's right next to the, to the girl that's in charge of the kindergartners. So it's a, (laughs) it's a, it's a, it's a church that's built uh, on God's word. I have described him before as he's tough on sin and tender on people. Uh, But that's Sam Hannon. He's going to do a, I know a great job of coaching us up today on simplicity and making sure that there's nothing in our heart, Chris, that's taken the place of Jesus. Sam, um, excited to have you on the podcast. Heard a, a bunch of good stuff about you from Jimmy. I think most of it's true. I, we, this is Coach Me Up. And to have a pastor on the Coach Me Up podcast, like, boy, can we be coached by you? So excited to hear from you. But before we get into some of the deeper, maybe messier topics we'll get into today, I'd love to just get the the treetops, uh, uh, family, upbringing, you know, maybe a little bit about your church. I'd love to just hear kind of uh, where life finds you right now. Yeah. So, man, I've been on staff at Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas for 29 years. I came on staff at this church as the youth pastor when Jimmy was a track coach at Shiloh Christian School. You remember those okay. days? Jimmy? Winning state championships. That's Winning right. state championships, That's by right. the way. Let's make sure we get that in. Make sure we get that in. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I grew up and born in Memphis, grew up in Arkansas. And of course, when you grow up in Arkansas, you dream of being a Razorback. And so I came to the University of Arkansas. Um, I came to the University of Arkansas wanting to be a fraternity boy and a finance major. And I ended up finding Jesus and becoming a pastor. And so, uh, mm-hmm. interesting story. Met my bride there, and then we we uh, came on staff at Fellowship right out of school, pretty much, and have been on staff for twenty nine years. We've raised three kids here in Northwest Arkansas, who are all uh, young adults now. Um, two of them are engaged. We've got a wedding in August, one in October, and uh, one of them's been married for a couple of years. And so, um, man. Love my job. We got any grandbabies yet? No grandbabies yet. No grandbabies okay. yet. Okay. We're still waiting on that. But I uh, love my job. Get to work with great families like Jimmy and Tiffany and Kennedy. And and uh, we got we got some good stuff going on around here. Love it. Love it. Thanks for the thanks for the background. I know our viewers will uh, feel like they know you a little bit more. So as a as a is it fair to call your church mega church? Is what, 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 how yeah, it's you, a large. How it's a large church. Okay, it's hard to have a small a, church in the south, but we, yeah, it's a large. Church. <laughs> yeah, you got to try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. as a mega church pastor, okay, what do you do for fun? Oh man, what do you do to get away from the responsibilities of being a pastor? Well, it, oh, we live in the in the midst of the Ozark Mountains, and there are plenty of rivers and streams, and so I love to fly fish. Mm. And so, uh, in fact, that's what I'll do tomorrow. And uh, on my day off is just go wade in a river and 
catch some trout. Well, that sounds peaceful. I kind of like the way that sounds. Even though I'll never do it, it actually sounds really good. Well, come He's see really us. Good at it. Come see us, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Sam, how did you uh, – uh, you had kids yourself that played sports. And uh, Luke, right, mm-hmm. was a terrific – running back at Harbor High School, like, I don't know if he's all-conference or all-state, but he was a load, Chris, I'm telling you. He was mm. a load. Sam, talk to us. We have a lot of dads and just families right now that are so involved with their kids' sports. Looking back on that, how did you handle Friday nights, bad calls, not getting to play, not playing well, playing well? Coach us up on, if you could do it over again, what would you do the same and what would you maybe do different? Mm. That's a great question. Well, man, uh, I would say one thing as an overarching statement that that the fact that Luke ended up being a, a all-state level running back wasn't our goal. Our goal was to just raise a man who loved the Lord and, and had good character. And had he not played high school football and he was on the robotics team or was in choir, which he actually was, then, then that might have been the laboratory to coach some character. But for us, we always viewed their activities and specifically sports just as labs, labs to, to coach character. And you can do that whether they're winning or losing, whether they're starting or third string, whether they're hurt or healthy. And so um, the goal for us was not to raise an athlete. The goal was to raise a Christ follower. And for Luke, football was one of the labs where we worked that out. And then he he played for a great Christian coach who walked alongside of him through that whole process. And so it was really, we had a partner in, in the process in our coach too. I like, I like the way you put that. I, I, I spend a lot of my time in the youth sports space, Pastor Bannon, and uh, I'm constantly trying to go to the Lord. Lord, what's this all about? What's this all about? Right? I, I reflect with my wife. Like, you know, we, everybody everybody likes that saying, "Keep the main thing, the main thing." Well, it's like, okay, well, like, have I actually determined what the main thing is yet? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying. And the, the the I I you you talk about labs. I, I talk about problem solving all the time. Right. And and OK, what are, what what problem is being presented through this situation? Right. And I thought you just went through a lot of them of healthy, injured, third string starter, football, robotics, like what, whatever. Those are all different problems to be solved. And then our character grows. Right. As we go through the journey of of solving some of those problems, I would love for you to coach us up specifically and I, I, not to this, this doesn't have to be just because you're a pastor, right? Every Christ follower should be trying to point their kids closer to biblical truths through the lessons of whatever their activities are. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's say it's competitive sports. Take us in the car ride home from practice or game and how you use maybe certain settings or give us, a, I'd love to hear a specific story of where you, what's your, what's your son who played football's name? Luke. Luke. Okay, Luke, this happened today. Maybe it was a win or a loss. And I don't mean it literally, I mean more from his perspective on how he handled something or what happened to him. How would you use those situations to point to, to the truth of, of God's word? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, man. Well, Hey, uh, I'll, uh, the first story that came to mind, actually, I don't think was Luke. I think it was Isaac, my younger son. Uh, we were doing baseball, right? And okay. he was on the mound. And if you if you know baseball rules well, you you get a certain number of trips to the mound per inning. First trip's free. Yep. Second trip, you got to pull the pitcher. So I always had a free trip to the mound. And uh, one game, I just remember he was blowing it up. He had walked the bases loaded. We were down five runs or whatever. And I just walked out. And um, he was expecting me to say, do what you're supposed to do. Throw the right pitches. Do what we're asking you to do. I just walked out and said, hey, man, I just want you to know that none of this matters. I just love you because you're you. We're out here to have fun and don't worry about this. And I just turned my back and walked off. And I just remember I was misty-eyed on the way back. Because I just wanted them to know that whether we win ball games or throw strikes or balls, who cares? We're just love you because you're you. 
Um, and so, you know, I would take moments like that. I, I encourage dads to take their kids for ice cream after they lose a game, just to remind them that, hey, we get ice cream just because you're you, not because you win or because you lose. Um, I think with Luke, <clears throat> Jimmy knows the story, but Luke was a, he was like a 165 pound sophomore on the JV team and the starting running back went down and they called him up as a backup. And um, on the first play of the game, the second running back went down. And so they ran a sophomore out there and he ended up player of the game, scoring a couple of touchdowns behind a great offensive line, got player of the week and all that thing. He just got thrust into the, the major 7A high school football scene. And so for us, um, what we wanted to do was to not make him think that we liked him or that we were proud of him because of all of that. So we tried to balance celebrating. So literally he's on the front page of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and it's, it's laid out on the counter when he woke up on Saturday morning, he went to the, the touchdown club. And I, I think Lou Holtz spoke at the touchdown club that week and Luke got a plaque. Oh, wow. I mean, he's a sophomore, 165 pounds. And so I think for us, we our strategy at that point, and then it never stopped. He just, became the leading rusher in the history of the city and player of the year for the state. Our goal was for him to be convinced that we loved it, but that wasn't why we loved him. We tried to downplay mm -hmm. that the whole time because we could tell he's kind of a shyer kid that it bothered him at times, all the attention. And we tried to play off of that and celebrate the other things in his life and and um, and that kind of thing. And so we were just trying to read the room and um, maybe one of our other kids, if they got all district choir, we needed to have steaks that night. But but for him, mm -hmm. we we just try to make him know that everybody else knows you as a football player. That's really the only thing Jimmy knows him as. But man, we know you as Luke. And we love it that you like Harry Potter and that you like to ride your bike and that kind of thing. And just try to make him normal. So keep his identity out of what he did. Yeah, right? yeah there's a great yeah. line that, that um, um, we care more about who you are than what you do. And that needs to be true of all of us, man, woman. You know, we, we can't just be Jimmy, the sports announcer. It's, it's Jimmy, the man. That's where your identity comes from. Sam, I, uh, if someone asked me to describe Sam Hannon br briefly, I would say that you are tough on sin, but tender on people. I think you have a real, I know you have a very, God-given gift in that area of your life. And a little over a month ago, uh, Chris, he uh, taught us. Uh, I think you're the first person I've ever heard call Sam pastor, by the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, he, but Sam taught us about uh, simplicity and what that should look like in, in our hearts. And Sam, we are very uh, more driven society like we want more 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 driven society and the discipline of simplicity wh what does that mean just let's start with that and then i want to really dig into this word simplicity with you yeah uh, uh simplicity by the way when i want to talk about simplicity jimmy you're talking to a guy with a full calendar and who owns seven fly rods so before i give you all this <laughs> before i give you all this sermon just know that i'm preaching to myself but you know simplicity has to be defined against the backdrop of busyness that we live in a culture that strives to accumulate and accomplish so therefore we have full calendar full bucket list um, our hearts and minds are often uh, crowded and cluttered by a lot of noise and notifications. And even in the midst of that, we want more. We want to experience more and have more. Um, and, and while we're in the rat race, while we're on the treadmill, it seems like our hearts can remain unfulfilled. Even though we have too many opportunities to take advantage of or too many things to even enjoy, we're living the good life, but we still find ourselves stressed out and weary. Um, and oftentimes that weariness, that inability to find peace and contentment can be a result of too much stuff, too many commitments and too much busyness. And it, it the old verse of you gain the whole world, but you can in the process lose 
your soul. So simplicity is a practice. It's a discipline designed to create space, create room for God to work. It's a decluttering of our lives where we can experience deeper intimacy with Christ. And so it's setting priorities of what's of highest value and then pursuing those priorities at the cost of other options. So it's in simplest form, being able to say yes to high priority items while we say no to things that are distracting or detrimental or unnecessary. And so I think the the line we used uh, on the particular Sunday you were talking about is that living with less creates space to know Jesus more. Living with less creates space to know Jesus more. And so in the king's economy, um, less is more. When it comes to soul care, we got to lose our life to truly find it. I just want to interrupt us for a second to remind everyone that our Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Go to onecountry.com, check out what they're doing. They have a fantastic giveaway each month, and they are phenomenal at when you get you give. They have a huge heart for giving to others. So jump in there, become a member of their team as well. Those are my friends here in Northwest Arkansas, and this podcast isn't possible without one country. I find Jesus to be the most fascinating uh, man in in human history. Uh, And I don't say that simply as as a Christian. I say that as not that I've studied the most, all the most fascinating people that have ever walked the earth. But I think his character, this this concept of the lion and the lamb, somebody that changed the history of 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 human civilization and didn't really own anything, had no had no man made titles, right? Um, is a, is an incredibly fascinating. Whether you actually believe that he walked out of the tomb and the the truth of scripture full fully or not. The, 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 the truth of Jesus is unavoidable, right? So as you, as you, um, or the truth of his impact, I guess I should say, is unavoidable. As you study the life of Jesus, Sam, I won't call you pastor anymore, <laughs> doc, doc, Dr. Yeah, Sam, yeah. <laughs> uh, as you study the life of Jesus, like what, what are the takeaways practically in 2023 for an everyday American or anybody listening to Sound of Real Voice? We do have some global listeners don't we jimmy yeah we do coach us uh, coach us up on the model of jesus what we see from him in scripture that would help us uh live a a simpler life yeah how about a quote jesus jesus said this he said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves it's very un-american deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self? And so Jesus was saying that becoming a Christ follower is about self-denial, not self-fulfillment. And he encourages us to say no, to walk away from some things of the world so that we can embrace some of the things of heaven. And so uh, you could even say that, that in the kingdom of God, being willing to lose your life is a prerequisite for finding it. And so, I mean, that statement is powerful. What good is it for you to gain the whole world, yet possibly forfeit your soul? And so, the the idea that you could accumulate and accomplish, you could have the best LinkedIn account, the best resume, the best net worth, all the toys, all the experiences, yet at the end of the day, have an empty soul is a challenging proposition from the, the mouth of Christ. Sam, uh, I was reading in, I believe it's Mark chapter 10, um, there was a rich, young executive, is what we'll call him now, in modern times, and his wealth had become his God. And Jesus challenged him, if you're going to be a follower of me, you've got to go get rid of all your possessions and, and, and let's go. And, and that's what ultimately tripped him up and kept him from Jesus. Uh, what? What is a crowded heart? He had a crowded heart because his wealth was on the throne of his heart more than, than not, not enough room for Jesus to step in. 
coach us up on what a crowded heart would look like or feel like to any of us right now. Yeah, uh, the rich young ruler, his issue was wealth. Uh, I don't think the rich young ruler is prescriptive for all of us as much as it is descriptive for him. Um, I would say that anything that takes priority or has a higher level of allegiance in our heart than the Lord is something that he would ask us to evaluate whether it needs to be there. And so for the rich young ruler, he came and he asked Jesus, what must I do to go to heaven? And, and, and Jesus, it says that he looked at him and loved him. And so he loved him enough to give him the hard truth. And he said, you're clinging, trusting, worshiping your wealth so tightly that it is not giving room for me to be on the throne. I can't be on the, an occupied throne. And right now you've got your net worth on the throne. And so for him, he said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. He gave him the prescription that he needed to hear. And the rich young ruler at that point walked away. He would rather have wealth in this world without hope in the next. And he was so white knuckle tight fisting, holding on to his wealth that he couldn't let go. So if you think about the idea of simplification, of, of, of living with uh, simplicity, uh, living with less creates space to know Jesus more. The rich young ruler was not willing to create space. His throne was crowded with his wealth and Jesus gave him the opportunity to, and he, he walked away. And so it's a great uh, idea. I also love third soil in the parable of the soils, Jimmy. You remember the first soil is the hardened path, so the truth comes and the birds steal it away. The second soil is the shallow soil. It sprouts up quickly and, and it burns away with the testing of the sun. But the third soil, it says that it's um, unable to bear fruit because of the thorns and thistles, which Jesus said was what? The deceitfulness, deceitfulness of, of, wealth. of wealth and worry and busyness about things of this world. And I think a lot of us, especially um, people in the prime of their career and parenting, we live in that third soil. We, we really don't have a choice whether we live in that third soil, but could we make some choices on some high ticket items where we say yes to what matters most and no to things that distract or are unnecessary? That's what simplicity is trying to get at. Mm. I think I think one of the best examples of that, Sam, is in a very very practical, much more shallow example. Is sometimes I talk to people about uh, personal health, maybe weight loss, and most people get really bogged down in what they need to say yes to, and not think enough about what they need to say no to. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, like this is this is actually more about <laughs> saying no more. Yeah then yeah. it is yes more, right? I need to work out this. I need to go join this gym. I need to follow this. No, no, no. What you need to stop doing is yeah. is eating a second helping of dinner. What you, yeah. you know, what you need. Like, like it's, 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 yeah. That's right. It's often more about the no's than it is the yeses, yeah. if that makes sense. And in some mm -hmm. ways, your no's are yes. Yeah, right? think, about, you but, think about you two guys. You know, you, you've got to have a, a lot of opportunities to, to um, get on the mic, to travel and participate in some things. And uh, both of you have, have families at home. And so you, if I were to ask you what your number one goal is, you are going to say family is really high up there. And at the same time, you want to have a successful career. And so how do you delineate? When do I say yes to career? Because it means saying no to family. And when do I say yes to family and no to career? And um, that, those kinds of decisions are really hard to make. And sometimes you don't know if you've made the wrong one until you're on the road away from your family. And you're like, I don't want to be here and I want to be there. <laughs> um, and yeah. and you, you learn over time. And so uh, it's the same way in other areas of life. What do I want to say yes to and what do I want to say no to? Because time is limited. And so high ticket, high priority items as informed by the scripture and then simplify. Sam, that fear of missing out that a lot of us struggle with, uh, a lot of times it, as a parent, 
that fear of missing out, we throw that on our kids. We don't want them to miss out. We want them to have every opportunity to be an all an all state running back, an all state shortstop, uh, head cheerleader. Just keep on going down the list. You made a, an interesting decision uh, when you were raising your children uh, that you. Well, I'll let you tell the story that you had a time in, in their in their season of life where you said we ha- we're we're cutting something out here. Talk us through that uh, that discipline, that choice that, that you all made yeah. as a family. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about simplicity and you're talking about making these choices, uh, I'll give you um, four categories to think through, and then I'll, I'll illustrate with that story, Jimmy. But one would be okay. think through your calendar, and here's the challenge. Y'all ready for this? How could you yeah. do less? Like, what if you sat down as an individual or family and you just said, hey, this fall, we want to do less. And you actually have a calendar that's too full of too many good things. So you, you actually said, man, what do we, how can we free up some space where we can accomplish some other God-given tasks? And so I can't count the number of families I talk to that say we never have dinner together. Uh, We don't have time for family devotions or discussions. We're hit and miss on church because we're traveling here or there. And so what if you actually made it the goal to do less? Second category would be your possessions. What if you made it a category, what if you made a decision to own less? Now, um, like I said, we're talking about simplicity to a pastor who owns seven fly rods. And so um, I'm preaching to the choir here, but here's what I found about possessions is that we want them, we enjoy them, but they always come at a cost of time and resources and energy and emotion. Um, we have a couple of lakes around here, Chris, and so boating and skiing and fishing is a big deal. And I've heard boat owners say that the only day better than the one when you buy a boat yeah. is the day yeah. you what? Yeah. <laughs> you sell, you sell the boat. And, and so, you know, we can't let the things we own end up owning us. And we're spending our time uh, and, and chasing maintenance and registrations and, and taking care of all the stuff. So do less, own less. Uh, the third one would be um, make less commitments, less obligations. We, we take on so much responsibility, committees and boards and memberships and ball teams and dance teams and vacation clubs, and they all come with meetings and emails. And so um, you obligate yourself to less things. So Jimmy may get invited to be on a board of a great organization, but is that the best thing for Kennedy's senior year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. the best thing for this year? And he may have to say no to a good thing so that he can say yes to a better thing. The last category would be um, less screen time. And so downsizing your digital footprint and unsubscribing or turning off notifications on certain things, it is okay to not respond to every group text or every email um, stream that you're in. So do less, own less, have less obligation and less screen time so that you can free up time to put in some of your high-ticket, God-given priorities. So the, the illustration you were asking about, Jimmy, was when my wife and I, when, when I was raising uh, three kids that were under 10 years old, and they all wanted to do basketball, football, gymnastics, arts, all that thing, plus be involved in their church and all that thing. And, and my wife and I had a busy lifestyle. We just, we were unhappy people. And we felt like we were always in the car and always driving through Wendy's and never um, getting to, to do the things we wanted to do. So we just made a rule that you can participate in one thing at a time and you have to take one season completely off. So take the boys. They loved soccer, football, basketball, and baseball. And we found ourselves playing on two teams overlapping and never having a break. And so we just told them, you can only do one thing at a time. So you can't be in karate and football. Um, and, and, and the daughter can't be in tennis and dance. One thing at a time. And then um, you got to take a season off where you're just a kid with a BB gun and a bike and a fishing pole. And um, I am not saying that that's from the Bible. Let me be very clear. It's just what we tried. And I'll also say that it was not a popular thing in our household. Our kids were mad at us because the boys really thought they could go to the NBA if I would just let them play basketball. And they were going to be the first tri-sport 
professional player. And so they did not like that decision, but we implemented it. We liked it. And maybe, maybe one of my children missed out on their golden opportunity because of that decision, but uh, we've, we've made it thus far. Yeah, Jimmy, you were talking about the fear of missing out. I think that's one of the things that prevents us from pursuing simplicity is that we don't want to miss out on an experience or we don't want to be without that possession, and especially as a yep. parent. I think it's really hard. You want to give the, your kids the life that you never had. And so the fear of them missing out or maybe not measuring up. So you're looking at the kid down the street and he's got a speed, a speed coach and he's getting in the extra work at the, at the batting cages. And you're like, man, I don't want my, my kid to get behind. I don't want them to fail to measure up because I didn't uh, put that into them. And so there are some, some things that push against simplicity that um, maybe keep us on the treadmill, keep us really busy. Sam, is it possible for uh, our kids' sports to be on the throne of our heart more than more than Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, first of all, can I say this? Amy and I did uh -huh. the kids' sports thing, so you know we did it full on, and we we lived at the ballpark, and and. Uh, we, we didn't do the travel sports thing that was just coming on when our kids were coming through. But even though it was prevalent, we I worked at a church and we were going to be there on Sunday. So we didn't do that. Um, but but man, absolutely. I've seen some people do it the right way and, and go full on and still maintain their their uh, love and, and pursuit of the Lord. And then I've seen some people who literally the the only thing that they had for their identity was their kid's sports. And that's the only thing they the kid had as well. And so uh, I, I try to play it delicately, Jimmy, because you, I don't think you can put everybody in a category. Uh, but man, it's very dangerous to let your kid's activities become your idol. And, and here would be a good question to ask the kid is, do you care about this as much as I do? Because <laughs> I, I bump... I bump mm -hmm. into a lot of young adults that would say they lost their childhood to their father's obsession with them then mm -hmm. becoming a high school athlete or a college athlete. Well, I think, I think honestly, the, and I live right in the heart of it, so I can, I can see it a bunch of different angles. And I, I appreciate your uh, nimbleness on not being super hard and fast with all these rules that you think everybody should, you know, have to follow explicitly. Right. Um, but I think the, I think most people, if they're being honest, like once you get to 12, 13 years old, if they really stepped out of it and they said, is the goal to, is the goal to get a, to be a good high school varsity player? Or are we trying to get a college scholarship? You know what I mean? And if the, if the goal is to be a good high school varsity player, I think most everybody would agree we're probably doing too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm saying for those that are in the travel world, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you start to get to a level of investment and I literally mean, you can pay for them to go to, you can pay for them to go to Harvard. Yeah. If you, yes. Yeah, like you start to get to a level of financial investment where people feel pot committed. And at that point, it's like, well, yeah. we're in this deep. Now, I guess the only the only way to pay this thing off is if we get a college yeah. scholarship. Need some ROI. You know, again, I'm, yeah, and I'm not saying everybody all the time, but it, it definitely can get there. Um, and there's a lot to balance with that. And there's some people that have paid that off and they will tell you they do it all again. And there's some people that, would say that, you know, they would change a lot. And, and you know, I think that the hope is that you don't blow it along the way, right? That's why I think it's so important for conversations like these to give us perspective on, um, it's not a one-size-fits-all. This talk about youth sports specifically. Um, there, are, there are people that have made it work in a lot of different ways. But just to make sure you're taking inventory of where your priorities are along the process, because it can, 
it can get out of whack fast. Yeah. There's no question about and I, it. I think, Chris, that's really wise. I think we need to give wide berth here for people to make Holy Spirit-informed, scripturally-informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, what we don't give room on is what the ultimate goal is. And, and I don't think the goal is to raise ballplayers. I think the Mm-mm. goal is to raise men and women of God. And so youth sports are a tool to do that, not mm-hmm. the end goal. And so I think that's the big first first perspective mm-hmm. that you've got to get. But here here would be a good here would be a good uh, question to ask because I hear this statement sometimes. I don't even know how we're doing this. It, it, I'll talk to a parent, and it's almost like they feel like that the 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 vehicle is out of control. We're driving to Detroit, Michigan for a tournament this weekend. Nobody even wants to go. I don't know why we're doing this. I, I think <laughs> at that point, that's when the, the biblical discipline of simplicity could come into play where you could say, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? Then don't. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. why don't you dial that back and create room for some things that you really want to pursue? You mm-hmm. don't have to do that. And so I was in Brant. The challenge would be to tell coach, hey, coach, we're not going this weekend. And if coach says, well, then that means you're not welcome back next year. It's okay. Now we got a bigger conversation, okay. right? Like, yeah, it's that okay. that that would be the challenge there is like we're, nobody wants to go, including the kid. <laughs> and then you're going, well, yeah. then why are we going? Yeah. And then you'd say, well, what would happen if we don't go? Yeah. Like, what, what happens? Yeah. You know, and I think that is a healthy conversation if you find yourself in that place. Yeah. We, we were in Branson, Missouri a week ago, um, and, uh, and we were in a restaurant. And the, there was a family of eight next to us, and it was just me and my wife. And they were so close and a little bit louder. We could hear everything they were saying. And the boy at the table said, Mom and Dad, why don't we ever get to go on vacation? And the mom mm. says, we're mm. here for your ball tournament. This is our vacation. <laughs> and just think of those two perspectives. They're spending all this money for him to be there. And he wants to go to the Titanic Museum to the beach. and, and, yeah. and, and yeah. go, to, go right. to the water park. And so, yeah, you know, I, I've got friends that loved every second of the youth sports. We've got a lot of great memories in there. There are people that take it too far, mm-hmm. and um, there there are people that that um, take another route. And um, mercy and grace to all of them, but keep the top priority yeah. there. And well said. and have, have the 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 discipline and, and the courage to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make these priorities top line. And we're willing to cut some some ropes to get there. We're willing to cut bait on a few things to get there. And uh, if that's what you feel like the Lord's leading you to do. Sam, last question. Could we have a lot of head college coaches and administrators that they are going, they're burning the candles at mm-hmm. both ends, that they are just, they, it is on time for them. What would you tell them at the end of our conversation right now, how they should go about quieting their heart and just getting before the Lord and asking, where where can I simplify? Is there anything on the throne of my heart that's in place of you? How would you tell them to go about that? And maybe I just answered the question, but I'd like to get your perspective on it for those people. Yeah, uh, man, I've been, I've been pastoring uh, people a long time, and I have coaches in a special category. Um, and I'll put you in this category too, Jimmy, that when I think about you and, and Tiffany and your family, I just know that once about October 15th hits, that you got to go in the coal mine. And, yep. and it, my prayer for you is for you and Tiffany to, to it's survival and find some health during those months that you're out calling basketball games. And I think coaches the same way. And I would say that, first of all, give themselves a break that you don't have a normal schedule and life is chaotic. But also be wise knowing that that when the down season comes, so right after the national championship game in basketball, then, then Jimmy gets to come home. And man, you do a great job of maximizing the off season with your family and you're very present with them there. And I think coaches have to be disciplined to not take that downtime and fill it up with everything that 
could happen. Um, mm-hmm. Because the family pays such a high cost in season, can you maximize the lower season to deliver on some things that are really important in life? So it's going to look like binging and purging, not a perfect balance. And so my mentor, Dr. Cup, Robert Cup, always said that balance is an illusion, that it It's like a pendulum swinging, and at any given point in time, you're out of balance in some important area of your life. Uh, The the big key is to let it swing back into rhythm when the margin's there. And so I I would Mm. would just encourage the coaches that, man, you got to maximize those off times, those down seasons to to be with family. I, I saw that you had Rhett Lashley on a few episodes ago. He does a great job of that he's he's down at smu but his kids man know that when he's off that they're that he's theirs and and yeah. he and lauren do a great job of, of being a family amidst the chaos yep sam tremendous we appreciate your time um this is not your day off tomorrow is but uh you do a phenomenal job of uh, Chris, I really think he's one of the great teachers of the word that we have in in our country right now. And like I said earlier, he has a very uh, unique gift of being tough on sin but tender on people. I think you got a feel for that today in our podcast. Um, and and he's a he's a blessing in our home. He's he's taken me to lunch uh, in in some of the dark times of my life. He's uh, just uh, he's, but he's a real dude, man. He's been through it. He, he's raised kids. He's been through it. Uh, and Sam, uh, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate you joining us today. And uh, our listeners are going to be blessed and challenged by our time with you. So, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it was my privilege, guys. Uh, you you have a a great thing going here. What a what a great way to deliver some godly content. I appreciate what you're doing. Chris, a lot of good stuff from uh, my, my friend, Sam Hannon. Uh, he's such a real guy. You know, just to you get the, a little bit of peek inside of his heart uh, there for, for 30 minutes. But so many good thoughts, so many good challenges in that. Um, I love how he explained really well and very clearly to all of us when we're dealing with our kids that the goal has to be and that, that for them to understand I, I love you as an All-State running back. I love watching you play. I love reading about you in the paper, but that's not why I love you. And it's so important. I was just thinking about, does Kennedy know that? You know, I mean, I love watching her run track. I've told her, I said, one of my favorite things to do in the world is to, I, I love watching you run. Not, not I love watching her try to be a competitive cheerleader in college. Uh, but just give me a, just gave me a, a, a quick mm-hmm. thought. Make sure she knows that's not why I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I loved how he how he put that, how he phrased that, and how he. Hopefully, all of us will take time to kind of work through that, flush that through our system, make sure mm-hmm. that, that we're communicating that well with our kids, right? Yeah, he he almost lost me when he went out to the mound with his kid and told him it didn't matter that he walked the bases loaded. Like he almost lost me right there. I almost left. Uh, <laughs> no, I was laughing. I was sitting there thinking, I, I, you should ask the catcher if the catcher minded that he had walked the bases loaded. Like, <laughs> somebody cares. Uh, but what I, what I, what I really love, in all seriousness, is. First of all, I loved how he was not a one-size-fits-all. Sometimes you can get, especially somebody in the big position of a megachurch pastor being like, I've got the answer. Everybody needs to follow this. He's wise enough to understand there are biblical truths, and they're applicable in different ways. Like, they still are truths, but they don't fit exactly every situation exactly the same way, right? And and he even went, and one of the ways he illustrated that was he said, some of our kids, we probably would have made big deals about a certain accomplishment here or there. With that child, I believe his name was Luke, uh-huh. we kind of minimized the on-the-field stuff and and tried to highlight other areas more so than touchdowns and yards per carry and those kinds of – you know what I mean? And yeah. that, what that means is you have a keen understanding of your children. You understand that they're wonderfully and beautifully made and created differently by – our great God. And you're, you're trying to point them all to Jesus. You're trying to keep them all grounded and humble. You're also trying to build up their self-esteem, but not get them off their rocker. And, you know, like, and he had a very clear understanding that for that child, 
the best way to handle this unique gift was not to make too big a deal out of what it was. You know, so I thought yeah. that showed a tremendous uh, awareness of you know that that child's personality, and but he was also open to the fact that a different child they might have handled that differently. You know what I mean? Which I think is very true. As somebody that has five children, I, I can relate to that. I, you, you have to handle each one um, a little bit differently. You know, I thought I thought it was awesome that we landed in the youth sports space because I think just sports in general is such an idol in our country. Obviously, uh-huh. you and I make our living. Yeah. Um, in, in that. And so we are constantly dealing with the space between, hey, man, I'm going to try to be excellent at this without making it more than God's called us to make it. Right. And so that's you that's and I need constant. Yeah. You and I need yeah. constant reminder. But we also have children that play it and we, you know, constantly are dealing with other people that are in it. So it's I think it's awesome to have a pastor who has the history from personal experience of being able to speak into youth sports space, because we need help with that. It's a big yeah. part of our culture. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he also uh, spoke to a challenge for all of us. We were talking about the, the rich young ruler, which nowadays would be a rich young executive that was chasing or had accumulated a ton of stuff. And, and that ton of stuff in his heart, is what was keeping Jesus out of his heart. And Sam said very clearly that any anything that has a higher priority or a higher allegiance uh, in your heart above Jesus, it, it, it must be evaluated. He was very clear about that. It must mm-hmm. be evaluated. And that's one that we can kind of brush aside and keep going. But I want to pause there for a second because that, that discipline of simplicity, at the end of the day, it's about evaluating your heart getting quiet before God and saying, Lord, is, is there anything in my life that I have placed in a higher priority, higher allegiance than you? And if so, show me that mm-hmm. and forgive me and correct me and set me back on the right path with the right balance. And I don't want to blow past that today. I think we need to also make sure that for you, for me, for our listeners, uh, that we allow God to speak to us if that is the case. Uh, yeah, I also yeah. think I, I thought it was helpful for him to put it into perspective. It's very easy to read that. First of all, we're all we can all be um, blinded to the to that parable mm-hmm. uh, or that story, um, uh, and think, "Well, I'm not rich, so that didn't apply to me." Because we good have this point. Americanized yeah, version of of rich. Everybody thinks somebody else is rich, right? Like yeah. I, yeah, I literally have in the major leagues. Remember having a conversation with a guy that was making eight figures a year, telling me that we were about to go play golf with some dudes that were rich. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, you're the richest person I know. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? You know, and it's just like because everybody thinks, right? Especially in in America, we, you know, and so you might be a high school coach listening to us right now. And you're like, well, the parable of rich you ruler doesn't really apply to me. I'm my high school coach, I'm not, I'm not, whatever, right? Fill in the blank. But it does. We, but, it does. but it does because it's really, it's really a story about idolatry and yes. whatever has our heart more than Jesus. And so that could be, you know, watching film. It could be uh, an addiction that you're neck deep into. It could be, it could be the good thing of, heck, it could golf, be something golf. that's, it, yeah, it could, it could be, be golf. A, uh, that's right. It could be a, a hobby, whatever. Um, could be you sports, whatever. There, there. If there's something on on the throne that's not the Lord, then we need to repent of that and and get our priorities back in in line. And that's what that when you get a pastor like Sam to unpack that for you, it can really it should get us all uncomfortable because it should force us all to really evaluate our priorities and <clears throat> where we're at with with um, uh, what's first. Yes, because we can. Heck, it could be your marriage. Your marriage could be above your 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 relationship with the Lord, and at some point, that could become a problem because we're humans, and humans let us down. And what happens if that goes sideways? Whatever, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I know, I know. I'll put some skin on that. I'm glad that Jesus is on the throne of my wife's life, and not me. Because if her hopes in me, she's she's gonna be frustrated more <laughs> even every day that she already is frustrated with me. Does that make sense? So it's like, 
Look, God wants us to have a healthy, thriving marriage full of passion and romance, to, to quote my men's pastor, Ronnie Cordray. But if that's above our relationship with the Lord, if all of a sudden our faith and hope is in a marriage, yep. uh, sickness happens, right? Yep. Um, things things change. And so, you know, we got to keep those priorities in, in line because if not, it can get out of kilter on, on, on certain areas that can bubble up real quick. Yeah. Last thing, the 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 one of the applications of simplicity he walked that he walked us through was uh, check your calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check ch- check your calendar. Like, what could be taken off my calendar just to allow more more quiet time with the Lord, more time with my family, whatever it is. Check your calendar. Check your possessions. Like as, as he was saying that, I was thinking, God, thank you for not letting me buy a hot tub two mm. weeks ago. I was mm. right there, man. I was right there. <laughs> and I kept thinking, as soon as I get that thing plugged in, every day I go out there and start checking the water and the pH and the alkaline. And they're like, no, just say no. So, yeah, that's one thing I can scratch off my list. And I have possessions, but I didn't go that, that route. And then our obligations, which... And we all can probably learn a lesson there to say no to things more than we do, and then uh, our screen time. Man, that's that's a, that's a, that's an entire podcast right there. Yeah, those, no are, those are the that was a great app- list. Yeah, that's a great list for all of us. Yeah. to Maybe think about: Is there anything on any one of those lists that I could uh, mm-hmm. cut out? So, yeah, um, I think the possessions piece too. So much in our culture, it's like if I buy this, that leads me to that which leads yep. me to this, which leads me to that, which yep. doesn't work with what I'm already into. So why would I even buy it to begin with, right? Yes. And that's what yes. I love, the boat story. I've, I've, I finished his sentence on that boat because I've heard yeah. a lot of people tell that story. And it's like, everybody loves being out on the water in a boat. Right. But but it's... So, <laughs> it's I think that same story fits with a hot tub. There you the best go. <laughs> two days, the day you buy it, the day you give it to somebody else, the day you, you, the you, day, the day you, you pay a dude to haul it off. That's hilarious. The two best days. Ugh. All right. Uh, Chris, will you, will you close us in prayer today? Yeah, please? let's thank do you. it. Lord, Lord uh, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for Sam and his heart and his leadership and his connection to you. God, we pray blessings over um, him, his family, his marriage, Lord, his, his uh, church, his ministry. Uh, would you keep using them to point people to you for good fruit that lasts? We're grateful for his leadership and his example. We're grateful for the wisdom that he taught us today. And I pray that you uh, use the examples he gave us to uh, help us to identify things where we could simplify our lives for the point of drawing nearer to you. So would you convict us all to, to do that better? And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.